It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy? Or a bra that's comfortable. Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Our plans for today's episode were upended by Donald Trump's extraordinary statements in Helsinki. We're sharing the first and last segments we recorded previously, then breaking into our own show to process our thoughts on the Trump and Putin presser. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsu Politics, everybody. Before we get started, there was a couple things uh, we wanted to share with you. First of all, I realize we haven't told you that if you enjoy listening to podcasts on your smart devices at home, you can listen to Pantsu Politics and the Nuanced Life that way. That's how I finally got my own mother and grandmother to listen to my podcast. You just go to perhaps Alexa and say, Alexa, I'd like to listen to the latest episode of the Pantsu Politics podcast, and she'll play it for you. So just FYI, if that's how you like to listen to things, check us out on your smart device. Also, we just did an Instagram Live before we began recording. That is on our Instagram feed. So if you're not following Pantsuit Politics on Instagram, go ahead and do that. We shared our thoughts on the New York Times reporting on the Democratic race for 
the presidential candidate, some um, move, new movements from Elizabeth Warren. We shared our thoughts on Cory Booker. Beth has some ideas of who she'd like to see as a Democratic nominee. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, go to Instagram Live. Also, I have watched Sasha Baron Cohen's controversial show, What is America?, and shared my thoughts on Patreon, our nightly nuance for last night, Monday. So if you're interested in that, there's a lot of, lot of chatter about that show. I went ahead and watched it and uh, had some thoughts for you on Patreon on nightly nuance last night. The president has visited London to great protests. He had a very insulated schedule so that he wouldn't have to endure a lot of those protests. And still managed to violate royal protocol in such a short, protected visit. Still managed to walk in front of the queen. Seriously? I think it's safe to say that his interview prior to his meeting with Theresa May was a disaster. She is now publicly laughing about his advice for her to sue the EU rather than negotiate the Brexit deal. It's just chaos. What was that? What? When she said that in the interview, I'm like, oh, my Lord. I mean, honestly, if everybody was reporting it as, oh, my God, Trump insulted her. He's weakening her. And I thought, is he? Because if I was British, even if I was super opposed to Theresa May, if Trump came in and was just rude to somebody, to to my country as we welcomed him, I would be, like, more defensive of her. You know what I mean? I had this recognition over the weekend because I get so wound up about foreign policy stories and diplomacy. And I realized this weekend this is how it is. The leaders in the EU and the UK are adapting. Mm -hmm. Justin Trudeau is going to do what he's going to do. And this is just where we are. And I have got to stop getting myself so twisted in knots about every single one of these stories because this is how he's going to do it and it's not going to change. There is not going to suddenly be a chief of staff or a secretary of state who helps him understand that this is not the way to do this. And and I just have to accept the world as it is today. Two things. One, I feel like if it's not even about foreign policy for me. This one was just, you're. it's just rude. It's just inhospitable. Like, I would like people to see Americans. I mean, we already have a bad reputation as travelers outside of the foreign policy and diplomacy realm that we're self-centered and we don't think about our impact on the people and the places we're visiting. Like, he just made it all worse. He just confirmed everybody's worst attitudes about Americans when they come to your country. That's the first thing. Just on a most, like, basic level. I'm not even worried about foreign policy implications. I'm just, it's just rude. And then also... I mean, that seemed to be the, what your takeaway is, which we're just going to have to adapt. We can't depend on anything he says or does. I mean, that seemed like the takeaway from a lot of the Germans. The German Was it the German foreign secretary who did the interview that was like, this is just, we've accepted that this is what we have to deal with. We cannot trust him. Um, he will be all over the place. And, you know, it seems to be like everybody is taking that message in, that this is the new reality. The other realization I've had, both positive and negative, is that The president is a very powerful role, but the presidency consists of lots and lots of people. Mm -hmm. And so transitioning into what's happening as we're recording today that, you know, the president is meeting with Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, one of my favorite cities in the world. And they're meeting by themselves, right? They're just the two of them and some interpreters. (sighs) And there's a part of me that is so freaked out by that. But then the rest of me says, oh, who cares? Because honestly, whatever he talks about in this meeting, it will take a a host of human beings in high-level positions 
to make something of it, right? To turn it into policy and to execute on that policy. By himself, this president is just a guy with a Twitter feed. Not that, not to diminish the power that he has, but but think about it. His power is dependent on so many other people acquiescing to it. So I'm just trying to find this space of like zen frustration. <laughs> Here's the other thing too. And here I'm trying to put together a couple things for myself as well. So what I want to say is, yeah, he's just a guy and this is just a meeting, but it's very, you know, it's exactly what people like Putin and Kim Jong-un want, which is validity on the foreign stage. So we were, we were isolating and it had been very difficult for Putin because he annexed Crimea. And I really feel like we need another word for that because I feel like that becomes a very sort of legalistic term that people don't understand. But he took sovereign land that did not belong to him for the first time since like that's happened on the European continent since World War II. And I just I really got that. That came home for me when you did your interview um, about the end of Europe. And I just think we need to emphasize that more because annex Crimea sounds kind of, you know, not like a big deal, but it is. So he should be treated like a pariah. He should be isolated because that is an unacceptable thing to do. And instead, he gets to have this one-on-one summit, whereas, you know, our allies and European leaders either have to meet with him as a group or be insulted by him on a national stage. So on one side, I'm like, in my brain about that. But then on another th- on another side, I have to acknowledge that as we all adapt to his style— for better or for worse, and I think you can make an argument for either, his style reduces the impact of those meetings. Because he is so erratic, because he is so ill-prepared, because he lies, because of all these reasons, because he acts so foolishly and so um, flippantly about so many things, it means that those meetings, as much as, you know, and as, and as often as he hands them out, every additional meeting he hands out to a dictator and, and somebody who the rest of the world sees as just horrific. I mean, let's remember when he met with um, Duarte? That guy's crazy. Like, so I just think that the more he does that, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. And surely Putin understands that. Like, yes, you're still meeting with the president of the United States. But it is a president of the United States that no one sees as a diplomatic authority on the world stage anymore. Now, that's something that he needs to understand, and that's something we all have to come to Jesus about as Americans, that this is not a man who is seen as an authority, even as somebody like—and I'm not even talking about, like, Obama. I would even put, like, Richard Nixon in that. And it's like I'm a Richard Nixon fan, but someone who is seen as an authority, who understands the global environment, who— Um, speaks with intelligence and gravitas and understanding about other people's actions and the impact of their own. He is not one of those people. Um, That is a danger to us as Americans, no doubt. But at the same token, the more he keeps having, quote unquote, summits, summits with dictators and authoritarian leaders, I mean, those leaders also have to understand that nobody cares. You know, like it's not that nobody cares, but it's it's not like people are like, oh, well, now let's all give. You know, Angela Merkel's not going to see Putin any differently after this summit. And, you know, it's not like she's going to be like, oh, well, maybe we should give him another chance, despite the fact that he annexed Crimea. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it's 
it's both good and bad because of the way he acts. I think that's right. I agree. And I think that's what makes the 2018 midterm so important. As the rest of the world says, we don't take this seriously anymore. Mm-hmm. What what the American public says about what its values are is critically important. And I will say that that is what ultimately, I think, undid the Bush administration, is that people don't like America being seen. Americans don't like America being seen as a joke in the rest of the world. And if a big, giant, baby Trump blimp doesn't make you understand that the rest of the world sees our president as a joke, then I don't know what will. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. We're not helped in our standing in the world, I think, by the United States Congress this week. In an all-day hearing, you probably have seen clips of two House committees, Judiciary and Oversight, which is a bananas number of Congress people sitting all day in a public hearing. I mean, don't they have anything else to do? Go ahead. Just had a, a circus of a time with Peter Strzok, who you probably know had an affair with an FBI lawyer named Lisa Page, and they exchanged lots of text messages about how they didn't like Donald Trump, and it has become a lightning rod. And and here's what I want to say about this. It is not that I think Peter Strzok has made the right call at every turn of his life. It is that the inspector general wrote a detailed report, conducted a thorough investigation, summarized what went right and what went wrong. And also, just interrupt you, they're, they're, your standard and the inspector general's standard is not that somebody does everything right in every decision in their life. Right. Because I understand that people are human beings. And this hearing was just so undignified in every way and so purposeless in every way. And whether you came away liking Peter Strzok or or disliking Peter Strzok, who cares? This is one guy within a giant organization and a guy who has served this country, again, whether you like him or not or agree with his decision-making or not, he has seen things, right? I can get righteously defensive of Peter and Lisa kind of from that like Aaron Sorkin, um, A Few Good Men speech of Jack Nicholson about you want me on that wall. You yeah. know, <laughs> that I can really tap into that for these people. And I understand that it doesn't feel good to know that somebody in the FBI had a clear preference for one candidate over another. Just like it doesn't feel good when you're seven years old to see your school teacher at Kroger. You know, <laughs> there are moments in our lives when we have to accept that people are people and they're whole people and there are pieces of their identities that don't comport with what is in our minds about who they should be. But I just have to say, as somebody who would really love to see a functioning, principled Republican Party again someday, that it is a ridiculous look for that party to talk about backing our law enforcement when it comes to American cities, and especially when it comes to unarmed black men being killed by police officers, and then to so significantly tear into somebody because his text messages hurt Donald Trump's feelings. couple things. One, I take back the nice things I said about Trey Gowdy. I mean, brother, you had a chance here. You had a chance. And he did, I mean, he did come out and say he wouldn't support an indictment of Rosenstein. So I guess he's still struggling to do the right thing, but sure didn't come out in this hearing. I think for Peter Strzok, for me, I just, I'm trying to be pragmatic. As much as I like loved his righteous um, speeches and I thought he did an excellent job just like laying out like why you are hypocrites this is ridiculous like I felt him like I was with him but I know that you know Trump supporters aren't going to watch that and be like you convinced me so I think what's important to take away from his hearing 
is I don't, while I think that part was great, I don't think that's going to get through to the other side. What I do think he did a good job is just not giving them any ahas that they could, you know, trot across Tucker Carlson's show or Sean Handy's show. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he did just a good job of being like, Sort of, it reminds me of when Hillary did the, like, all day, like, you can, we can do this, and I'm not saying I'm going to convince anybody that I'm right, but you're definitely not going to get any sound bites out of me. You know what I mean? There should be thorough examination and criticism of what has been done well and not done well by all kinds of arms of our government, including the FBI. But that's been done in this case several times yeah. over. This this guy, with all of his skills, was was taken off the, the special counsel's investigative team and put in HR like they have dealt with this in their own house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Congress is becoming this body that has no purpose whatsoever other than Monday morning quarterbacking in mm-hmm. the most soap opera fashion. You know what, Congress, if you don't like what's happened at the FBI, why don't you look in the mirror for a second And think about all the responsibility that you've handed to that agency, all the times that you've questioned its budget. You designed the FBI principally to investigate white-collar crime, and then they fundamentally became responsible for keeping America safe from terrorism, and now they're fundamentally responsible for preserving the integrity of our elections? Come on. Ooh, while we're busting up on Congress, can I get something off my chest? Mm -hmm. Always. Have you— have you been following this Jim Jordan situation? I have on a very superficial level. Can I, I tell try you to something? limit the amount of Jim Jordan coverage that I take in? You only need a superficial because level of understanding of this because this is what blows my mind. Friendly reminder that the longest serving Republican in House leadership was a wrestling coach who went to jail for sexually abusing kids. Everybody remember Dennis Hastert? I do. Longest serving in leadership. They covered for him. They covered for them. And then he went to jail because he was sexually abusing people. Actually, he went to jail because he was paying them to lie about it, to people to cover it up, I believe. But he he was sexually abusing people, and he was a wrestling coach. So just on the most pragmatic self-preservation level, because you're a political party, not a court of law. Wouldn't you say, hey, you know what? We used up all our sel- our sexually abuse wrestling coach cards, and we're not going to protect this guy. There's no accusations that Jim Jordan sexually abused anybody, but he was a wrestling coach, and there's accusations that he covered, that he knew there was sexual abuse going on, and that he covered for them. Wouldn't you just be like, you know what? We did this already once. Let's back out slowly. Why? Why? Would you use any political capital at all after that Dennis Hastert debacle doesn't seem a strong enough word for it? You know, moral failing is probably more accurate. Why would you be like, you know what? We're going to call the mat. The mat. Ooh, you like that? You like that? What I did just there? For this guy, too. What the heck? Sorry. I need to get that off my chest. Before we move on, we do need to talk about the indictment that was issued by a grand jury from the district court for the District of Columbia. And I'm going to try to go through this very quickly Because there are some key takeaways for me. Twelve individual defendants have been charged. These defendants are Russian intelligence officers. These are not 
random Russian nationals. They are intelligence officers. And the indictment is very detailed about who these people are, the units they were assigned to, and their individual specific actions taken to influence American elections. And that is my first kind of stage setting takeaway, that this is not throwing darts at the wall to see what might stick. This is a very precise indictment that I believe has several audiences. Okay, these officers are members of the GRU, which is an acronym for the Main Intelligence Directorate of the General Staff. It's an intelligence agency housed within the Russian military. And the GRU overall had several cyber units working to release stolen documents in stages. This is a quote from the indictment. These units conducted large-scale cyber operations to interfere with the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The indictment describes how they hacked the Clinton campaign, they hacked the DCCC, they hacked the DNC, they monitored people's computers, implanted malware, and stole documents. And then they created online personas to release those stolen documents, principally DC leaks and Guccifer 2.0. They also used an organization that is referred to as Organization 1 in the indictment. Everyone analyzing this believes that that is WikiLeaks, and that certainly matches the description in the indictment. And WikiLeaks is described as having previously posted documents stolen from people in the U.S., They used a network of computers across the world, including computers in the United States. They refer to computers in Illinois several times. And they paid for the approximately $95,000 worth of infrastructure this operation required using cryptocurrency. They lied about who they were in the process. And as I mentioned before, this is a very specific indictment. They talked about the technology used, the people who were using that technology, and were specific about search terms that they used. They ran keyword searches for Hillary Cruz, Trump. They copied folders, including one called the Benghazi Investigations. And they worked very hard to cover their tracks. And the indictment is really specific about what forms of software they used to try to delete um, evidence of their presences on these systems. One detail from the indictment that really caught my attention, they registered the domain actblues with an s.com and modified the DCCC's website to redirect people to actblues. But I mean, this is the level of sophistication that they're operating at. So once the DNC figured out that it had been hacked, it hired a security company. And that did start to successfully block the defendant's efforts, but they still got access to a third-party cloud computing service and were able to take snapshots of the DNC's cloud-based systems using that cloud provider's own technology. So in June of 2016, they launched DCLeaks.com. They said it was started by American hacktivists, but it it was the Russian military behind DCLeaks. They released emails stolen from the Clinton campaign and some documents that they had previously stolen from individuals affiliated with the Republican Party. The indictment is not as specific on that point. The site received over a million page views between June 2016 and March 2017, and it was promoted using Facebook accounts with fictional Fictitious names that sounded like U.S. citizens, Alice Donovan, Jason Scott, Richard Gendry are mentioned. They also used Twitter accounts to promote DC leaks to encourage people to join a flash mob opposing Clinton and to post images with the hashtag Black Against Hillary. 
The Guccifer personality, Russia put out a narrative that this was a lone Romanian hacker and a person running for the United States Congress in August of 2016 reached out to the Guccifer personality to ask for stolen documents. And they sent the documents. And they sent the documents to a state lobbyist and online source of political news. Those folks are not identified in the indictment. There is suspicion that one of the reporters referred to in the indictment who corresponded about the release of documents, who offered to write about the release of documents, um, there is reporting that suggests that that is a Breitbart reporter. And they also refer to a person who was in, quote, regular contact with senior members of the Trump campaign, who everyone believes is probably Roger Stone. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like his tweets. I read some on Twitter that it sounds like he even thinks that's him or something, right? I think that's right. Then they started using WikiLeaks to kind of expand their interference. WikiLeaks was asking for stuff on Hillary Clinton because WikiLeaks believed Trump's chances of winning were so low that they wanted to keep the conflict between Hillary and Bernie alive. They said that that stuff was interesting to them. And so this is all happening and all of these events are described very precisely in the indictment. And then there are 11 criminal charges leveled. The first charge is conspiracy against the United States. The second charge through the ninth charge are aggravated identity theft. There are eight unnamed victims listed in the indictment that suffered identity theft because of this. Um, That list, I would think, is almost certain to grow. Count 10 is conspiracy to launder money. And there is a lot of detail about cryptocurrency in the indictment. I got to be honest, I don't fully follow all of that analysis. And I certainly want to learn more about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because this isn't going anywhere. The last count relates to some activity that I think is least likely to get a lot of attention in the coverage of this indictment and perhaps the most important part of it. It is conspiracy to commit an offense against the United States, and it describes how these military officers researched domains used by state board of elections, secretaries of states, and other election-related entities. They searched state political party email addresses, including Republican websites. They hacked the website of a state board of elections and stole the voter information of 500,000 people. They think that's Illinois, right? They think so. They hacked a vendor that supplied software to verify voter registration information, and they launched a pretty significant spear phishing effort to try to get involved at a very deep level in Florida's elections. And so as you take all of this in, recognizing that these folks are not in the United States, Russia would have to agree to extradite them. That seems impossible. So probably there's never going to be a trial here, right? But if I am the Kentucky Secretary of State... I am studying this, right? If I work for the DNC or the RNC, I am studying this. If I'm in in a high-profile business, I am studying this because it is a very, I think, important effort of our government to say, wake up everybody. This, to me, has so little to do with Donald Trump and everything to do with our national security and the security of our institutions and and just screams out for action. So it doesn't make you feel better that um, Rand Paul was like, oh, everybody does it. No big deal. I have had a hard time with those comments. Yes. And look, it's not wrong to examine your country's own conduct. We're about to do that. It also does not make these 
very serious allegations less serious. Do you want to talk real quickly about the border update, Beth? Yes. So the district judge that I talked about in my gratitude moment last week, I'm still grateful for his Mm -hmm. work. On Friday, he told the Department of Health and Human Services to get it together. They still had not reunited 46 children under the age of five with their parents. They say that it is difficult to do that appropriately. They're DNA testing everyone to verify parental relationships. And he says that is not an excuse. You need to figure out how to get this done. He demanded that someone with decision-making authority from HHS be in his courtroom Monday morning. It's never good when the judge is saying to a lawyer, I don't trust the communication between you and your client. You get me somebody higher level in here. Yeah. You know, I feel like we could have a segment on the show called People Who Are Done. Like Peter Strzok could have been in that segment today. This judge could have been in that segment today. People are just like, you know what? I'm done. Yes. Well, if you're going to be done over something, trying to get children under five back with their parents seems like an appropriate place for that. And I also think that it's really important. I posted the reunion story of the little girl who was heard reciting her aunt's number on the call, um, the inside the detention center call that released a couple weeks ago. And I said, I just think it's really important that we maintain vigilance about the continued abuses of this um, administration with regards to immigration and celebrate the successes that we have had. The fact that they are not separating families anymore is important. The fact that many of these children have been given back to their parents is important, and we should celebrate that, and we should um, not just let it pass by and stay in this heightened sense of alert because we will all um, exhaust ourselves and burn out. Like, I'm not done with these, with the with the issue of immigration, period, it is still um, rapidly becoming one of my most important issues. But I really do think it is important to say um, they have this the the many many of these children are back with their families, and more children are not being separated. And let's just take a moment for that. So, what's your gratitude moment for today, Sarah? I am grateful for the work of Fred Rogers. I went and saw. Won't You Be My Neighbor, last night at my local independent theater, Baden Alley Cinema. And, you know, I just was struck by um, the complexity and dedication and devotion of this man's life. You know, he was not a perfect figure. He encouraged to um, one of his cast members to basically stay in the closet because at the time there was no um, accepting of the LGBTQ community. So they kind of talk about that. They talk about his journey on that. Um, He was prone to self-righteousness, which uh, I loved uh, because I'm also prone to self-righteousness. And But I just, I was so grateful and I thought it was such a beautifully um, American story in a way that this person was, saw something promising, tried to make their mark on it, um, I was really interested in the fact that he the, the show was stopped for a while and then he came back in the 80s, which now watching the show, I realized um, for people of our generation, that was really like uh, the desert of child programming. Like when our parents were little, there just wasn't that much and it was pretty basic. And then now um, you can choose so carefully what your children watch. And in there are so many um, well-developed, well-researched, you know, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood is the sort of the next generation of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And 
you know, just this very careful, thoughtful approach to child's, children's programming. But like, man, the 80s and the 90s were just <laughs> the wild. Sesame Street was holding it up out there by themselves and Fred, Ro- Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, like trying to be careful and thoughtful about the way we talk to our children. And he was just so ahead of his time. And I think he really left a mark on American culture in such a, a beautiful, positive way. And I think that people are really realizing how ahead of his time he was and particularly the way we think and talk about children in the media and otherwise. And particularly, you know, I think he's... The He's so important now because he spent a lot of time talking to explaining tough world events to children. Like they show the episode he did where the tiger asked what's assassination after Bobby Kennedy was killed, which was really impactful. So I'm just so grateful for his life and his work and this documentary that's bringing that, um, bringing it to new light and letting people appreciate it all over again. My mom has told me that my first word was macobeave and I was trying to say make believe. (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Rogers was my absolute favorite. Love it. I am grateful today that John Huntsman is our ambassador to Russia. Mm, Truth. I appreciate that John Huntsman has said it's not a summit, everybody. It's a meeting. And I'm grateful that John Huntsman is being publicly supportive of the Mueller investigation Mm -hmm. and ensuring Mm -hmm. that the focus stay where it belongs. I cannot imagine the difficulty of the circumstances under which he is working are. And I'm just I'm grateful for him. Yeah. Grateful that he continues to serve in tough circumstances. That's right. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, 
It could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. our own episode today in which we had planned to continue our 9-11 series because as we were recording, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin were speaking to the press in Helsinki. <sighs> Did you watch the whole thing? Because I watched the whole thing. I'm really proud of myself because it was hard. I had to drive in the course of listening to the coverage, so I did not get through the whole thing. I have heard enough. I have read enough. It really picks up at the end. Let me tell everybody that part. So they start out, Putin talks. He talks about Syria. The, the main, the big points were Syria for all the questions, all the conversation, all the points H made. Syria, North Korea, and Iran, the JCPOA, basically said we shouldn't have been withdrawn from the Iran nuclear deal, blah, 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 blah. Then Donald Trump starts in with this, even during the Cold War, our, our relationship was better. Our relationship has never been worse. I think the point he's making is that the relationship between the United States and Russia is worse, or at least, you know, previous to the four-hour meeting, was worse than during the Cold War, which I think is an interesting point to make. He did have this nice turn of fray that, that from what I can tell, the right-wing media is really picking up this a political – I'd rather have a political risk in the pursuit of peace than basically sacrifice peace for politics – Mentions briefly Russian interference in our election. Then you get to the questions from the media, and this is where it gets really interesting. Wouldn't you say, Beth? Interesting is a word for it. I'm struggling with what I would do today if I were a member of federal law enforcement or the military. Because our president just explained that he gives the same weight to Vladimir Putin's comments as he does to the director of national intelligence's analysis, that he essentially doesn't believe the very specific Mueller indictment that we talked about in the first segment of the show today. You know, just to be super vulnerable, I'll tell you, I'm just I'm frustrated because I spend our whole first segment talking about how I've really tried to just calm down about mm. the way that he personally interacts. You should and not have said he, that out loud. <laughs> and then he just takes it to an unfathomable, a previously for me unfathomable yeah. level. And I'm feeling... All wound up again. I mean, my again, my the pieces of my brain are battling because one reporter asked him, basically, do you hold Russia accountable for anything? For anything. And he said, no, we've been foolish. Now, he'll say, we've both been foolish. And I can only assume 
giving the maximum benefit of the doubt I am humanly capable of, that he is speaking about the United States and Russia. But he never specifically holds Russia accountable for anything. He only talks about the we. We've both been foolish. Then he says, again, going off on how he beat Hillary Clinton, that there is no collusion. I mean, the, the one big thing that is so apparent is that he cannot distinguish between the question, did Russia interfere in our election and did Russia interfere in our election in collusion with the Trump campaign? They are the same question to him. I guess I, I can't decide if it's incompetence or if he understands on some level, like, if I acknowledge that they interfered in the election, that puts my election in doubt. I, 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 don't, I honestly can't tell which one it is. I'm really struggling to give him any benefit of the doubt after this press conference because this is truly the first time in my life that I've watched an American president do something and thought I could have done a better job. Mm. I always look at our president and know that they know things I don't know, that they're under pressures I don't understand, that there is a complexity that is unimaginable to me. But today, for the first time, I thought, no, just about anybody on the street could have been pulled up there and handled this at least as well as he did. Putin answered the question better than him at one point. He made a better point for Trump than Trump could. He was like, he defends the interests of America. I defend the interests of the Russian Federation. I was like, well, I'm glad somebody is at least pretending that that's a reality in which your number one priority is the interest of the American public. Well, I think Putin did this, had to be delighted by the whole thing. Oh, my God. Right? I mean, I heard reporting that his equivalent to our press secretary was basically laughing a couple of times. I mean, like in glee. This could not have gone any better for them. So another reporter says, did you want him to win? Did you, Putin, did you want President Trump to win? And he says, oh, yes, definitely wanted him to win because he talked about bringing this relationship back to normal. Russia Today talked about was there ever a specific agreement with regards to Syria? Donald Trump completely avoided that question. Oh, our militaries get along. Then at the very end, the AP gets up and asked a question. And this is where I think, this is, if you're only going to watch one segment, this is the segment you want to watch. The very end, the AP asks, will you denounce him or warn him that there will be consequences if he interferes in our elections again? And Donald Trump goes off on this bizarre, conspiracy-laden rant about the DNC server. I don't even know. What? The 30 in Hillary Clinton's emails, it's just, I can't, I don't even know what to say about it. And I don't know how this can be spun or defended. I don't either. I, I don't have any clue what kind of person would say that Hillary Clinton is more of an enemy than Vladimir Putin to the American president. I mean, that's I know essentially lots of what people, happened. Though. That's the thing, though. There are people who think that. Lots of them. That's what's so terrifying to me. What's terrifying to me, honestly, is not what he said. Because as much as I wish it was a surprise to me that this man is incapable of being president, it is not. What terrifies me is that there will be so many Americans who do not care. They do not care. And I don't know what to do with that. And that's why I'm frustrated. What do we do? Because what do you do when you have half the country say, oh, my God, this man just committed treason on a world stage standing next to the Russian president. 
And you have so many Americans who, if you ask them, who do you believe, the FBI and the CIA or Vladimir Putin, they're going to say Vladimir Putin. So what are we supposed to do with that? I don't know. I mean, that's a, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I think part of what always occurs to me when I really listen to Donald Trump's words about Russia is that he's not talking about Russia as it exists today. He's talking about the Soviet Union. I don't mm. think he appreciates that. I think he's kind of like nostalgic for the days of a clearly understood. I mean, he uses the word competitor, yeah. right, about Putin. But Russia's economy is about the size of Michigan, I was reading over the weekend. Like Russia's not a competitor with the United States. It has a whole bunch of nuclear capabilities that it's sitting on. But it is a country that is totally different than the one that we had the space race with. And by the way, if you're nostalgic for the Cold War, you've significantly missed a lot of moments in history. But I think that's where he sits on it, even assuming the absolute best case scenario about what his intentions are. I think he completely does not appreciate what Russia is today. And that's why I think he doesn't appreciate the significance of Putin taking Crimea, of Putin's efforts to bring the Ukraine, bring Ukraine back into the Soviet Union. I think your point about calling that what it is with Crimea is so important. I think the president's tweet before he went to Helsinki about how he could come home and have having been gifted Moscow, like reveals that he is living in another time. Like that's not what we do. We don't give cities anymore, right? Like, that's not how any of this works. But he's in a completely different place mentally. And I, and I understand that there are a lot of Americans still there because people are just living their lives. They're not thinking about all this stuff. And if it doesn't hit their checkbook, they don't care. Whatever. What I can't get to, though, is how you don't care that he is standing on a stage with the president of Russia saying, yeah, I think I believe this guy. I don't I don't understand how any American doesn't care about that. Because I think that there will be people who the answer to the question is, I believe Vladimir Putin over the CIA and the FBI. And I think there will be people who will do what they always do, who may be do believe that Russia interfered in our election, but have decided that they will not give any weight to anything Donald Trump says, that they are not going to fall for the hysterics of the media and everything is okay and the world is not crumbling down. See, look at my everyday life. Everything is fine. And we all know he, he blusters and he blubbers on Twitter and does all these things that nobody likes, but the economy keeps growing. And so I'm just going to be the I'm going to be the the reasonable, moderate person who puts politics in its place and doesn't let it get to them and blows off everything Donald Trump says. I think that's a significant proportion of people, too. It's just so crazy, though, because you don't have to believe the media about what happened today. You it's just his words. It's just him with he didn't even have advisors around him today. Right. Like they're all just sitting there helplessly watching. It's just him. And I just, 
oh, I don't see how you can look past what occurred today. And for people like Lindsey Graham to already be calling it a missed opportunity, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. far more than a missed opportunity. This is not business as usual today. I'm just, I'm very worked up about it, as you can tell. And well, we weren't done. The AP followed up and said, asked President Putin, do you have any compromising material on Donald Trump and his family? At which point, Vladimir Putin took a, what I would categorize as an awkward pause. He giggled and then he decidedly did not answer the question. He said, I didn't know Donald Trump when he was in Moscow. There were 500 very important businessmen. Do you really think we'd gather intelligence on all of them? Uh, First of all, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, And then just didn't answer the question. And then you can see, to me, the vibe changed decidedly with Trump at that moment. Like, he got uncomfortable. He, for some reason, directed his answer to the Peter Strzok testimony and said it's a total witch hunt, and then they ran out of the room. It was so weird. I'm wondering what happens now. A lot of commentators have been in the moments since this saying that they expect a flood of resignations. Hmm. And I don't know if that's the right answer or not. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, in my mind, I was reading like, because I thought, I think people just don't understand what a bad, bad guy Putin is. And so I was searching some articles and I found that quote where John McCain called him a murderous thug. And like, if I'm John McCain right now, I say, or if I'm any Senate Republican who believes myself to be a patriot and a protector with a with a sacred duty and authority as a United States senator, then I say, no more. Enough. That's right. Enough. This has got to stop. And... I don't know if that means impeachment. I don't know if they say, you want to you want this Supreme Court nominee? You want this through? Then I have some demands. I don't they know. They involve your resignation. Yeah. Yeah. Because he can't. <laughs> but I'm just so scared that it's like nothing's going to happen. We are not a direct democracy for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. The president was elected Under the electoral college process, and I'm not going to take anything away from that, the president was elected, but we are not a direct democracy for a reason. The president's election does not give him carte blanche. There are reasons that we have elected officials in place. There's a reason that we have an impeachment process. There's a reason there's a confirmation process for officials in the United States. And I think this is the moment I I could not for one day justify my role in the United States Congress if I weren't doing everything in my power today to put pressure on him to resign or to commence an impeachment proceeding. I just find it so hard to be in any way, shape, or form hopeful when it comes to him because it seems like there is nothing he can do that is bad enough to turn them against him. Well, we will obviously continue to talk about this. We are going to take you back now to your regularly scheduled fancy politics and talk about what's on our minds outside of politics. What's on your mind outside of politics? So one of my favorite TV shows is back on. Do you have Hulu? I do. Um, Have you watched Harlots? I have not. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's about, um, I guess this is probably 
1700s in England when, um, fun fact, one in five American or one in five women at that time period worked in the sex industry. One in five. Um, so it's about these like two, particularly um, two madams. And how they sort of duel it out and they're and it's just it's like female written. It's a ton of really amazing female characters. It's about super interesting subjects. Also, the costumes are awesome. Love it. I'm not give me some feedback, listeners, because I'm not loving Liv Tyler's appearance on the show, but I love the show overall. Big Harlots fan, so I'm excited to see it back on. Well, we appreciate you hanging with us through another lengthy discussion today. We will be back with you next week with our first guest host. Yeah, it's exciting. You're you going want to talk on vacation. about that, Sarah? You're going on vacation next week. Are you I'm excited? Going, I'm going to Hilton Head Island. I cannot wait to be there. I just drive across the South Carolina state line, and I feel very different. <laughs> and this will be the first time I've driven without my microphone on board. So thank yeah, you, Sarah, you and guest hosts. Yes, I have a lot of exciting guest hosts and conversations planned. Um, we talked about this in our Instagram live we just posted, but we haven't had a lot of time to be talking about what's going on in the Democratic Party and the progressive left. So I have a conversation with Joe planned for that. And then I have a roundtable based on um, what it's like to work in campaigns, volunteer for campaigns, what people are looking for in um, campaigns. So we're going to be talking about that as well. I'm really excited. Well, we will be back with you here on Friday. And on Wednesday on The Nuance Life, on Wednesday, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the processing of 9-11. So if you'd like to talk about 9-11 outside of politics and just grief and tragedy in general, we will see you there. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Fancy Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers, Tracy Putoff, George Niedermeyer, James Randall, Cherry Haas, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. To support Pantsuit Politics and receive lots of bonus features, visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. You can connect with us on our website, www.pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Sign up for our weekly emails and follow us on Instagram. 